Hey there, I am Caitlin Wittenberg. And I'm Santosh Sankar. And we're doing something new today. We're getting chatty. <laughs> yeah. We just thought of that pun, uh, play on words. We're probably getting a little too cute with uh, the way we're naming things and yeah. all these uh, alliteration connections to Chattanooga, our hometown, which we uh, love and adore. Uh, but uh, I guess at this point, uh, what are we here to chat about? We're going to chat about current topics in logistics, transportation, supply chain, tech, investing. We're just going to talk about all those things that are happening that uh, interest us. Give some context, right, Santosh? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it's been a headline-making week, uh, to say the least. I would say the last couple weeks, at least in the uh, autonomous space, as well as just ride-sharing and consumer mobility uh, industry. And um, yesterday, we uh, were actually in a room having a discussion about what we thought about uh the, the sector and where it was going. And next thing we know, uh, our friends down the street at VW here uh, inked a deal with Get. And uh, Get is a uh, Uber competitor that's predominantly uh, operating in Europe. And then separately last night, uh, Uber decided to go expand uh, its relationship uh, with Toyota. And there was some undisclosed investment there as well. But, you know, I think... Um, this kind of is laying the groundwork for something interesting going on. Uh, it looks like a lot of uh, tech companies, or rather ride-sharing companies, have aligned themselves in some degree to an auto manufacturer. So, you know, if we go through the list, uh, Lyft is with GM. GM, we got Google and Ford. Yeah, that's uh, you know maybe they're dancing. Yeah, they're yeah they're do- they're doing the dance. Um, I haven't found anything to to say otherwise in either direction, but... Um, we got Apple and Didi or Diddy. Yeah, uh, Diddy Kong, but I, I, I think it's Didi. Um, okay. So, and, and that's interesting because they're both technology companies, although, you know, Apple, you would say, makes hardware really well and cars hardware. So that's a very unique partnership, and there might be other things and motivations involved there, but... You know, I think what we're getting at here is it's going to distill into three things, uh, in in my opinion, um, for the broader ride sharing and and auto industry. Um, I think the first repercussion of all of this is that uh, as technology companies kind of enter this space, we're going to see the cars of the future generations kind of commoditized, similar to a smartphone and you know you have Google, Apple, um, Tesla. Uh, everybody here I think is viewing the fact that a car is a platform and beyond maybe exterior and internal design, the innards of cars for the most part will be commodities relative to one another. But how do you distinguish them? It's through software and then the experience inside it. Um, and then Kind of going with that, I think we're transitioning to uh, a second phase. And how often do you use Uber? Do you use Uber a lot here? Uh, actually, yeah, I do. Probably every every two weeks, I probably hail an Uber. Okay. And I mean, folks, Chattanooga, relatively small city, mid-sized city, but I think that alone there, that's frequent enough, I would say, with this population density that there's something going on where we might be seeing ride-sharing, uh, 
kind of being a substitute for auto ownership. Mm -hmm. So I kind of call it auto ownership as a service. And that's where autonomous comes in. That's where Tesla is interesting in the mix, um, where what if you never had to own a car in 10 yeah. years. Our kids might never own cars, but what they will do is they'll own a phone or whatever the replacement to our iPhone or Android is, and they'll go and they'll be able to choose what they want, what they need, depending on their situation. And voila, five minutes later in front of their house is a car that's almost magically appeared. Yeah. And um, insurance is bundled into it. They're paying for it, obviously, through some linked financial institution or credit card whatever exists at that point. But what this is doing is it's disintermediating the VWs of the world, the Toyotas of the world. And in order for them to stay relevant, they need to start getting into the ride-sharing game, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think we also like we see a trend even with things like Airbnb. People are much more comfortable now sharing mm-hmm. spaces. At least that's the way I feel. Um, I look at my parents and they would, the idea of Airbnb still freaks them out. Yeah. But our generation feels way more comfortable like, oh yeah, I'll just go stay in a stranger's home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think can transfer to cars as well. Like, yeah, why yeah, do totally. I need, well, let's share a car. I call it, um, we will be asset light in the future. And um, that means we'll spend less money maybe on cars or, or frankly, maybe the cost of, of ride sharing mm-hmm. or auto ownership as a service actually will go up. Um, right. But, I mean, who, who, who's, who's necessarily to say? But I think with all these partnerships, it's interesting that you're bringing two uh, diametrically opposite competencies in some degree together, and that in turn is shaping uh, kind of the automobile industry going forward. It's happening right in front of our eyes. I think it's pretty cool. Um, you were talking, I mean, about these partnerships, um, and I know you've talked about those who do not partner, um, or walled gardens, as you like to say, they, yeah. their, their futures are looking bleak. You want to maybe go into that a little bit? Yeah, uh, you know, so I, I guess two, two thoughts to that. The walled gardens, I kind of view walled gardens, anybody who's afraid of letting out their secret recipe and don't want to share and co-opt in order to advance their industry or advance their business. And walled gardens are working in some sense. Apple's a walled garden right now, but we've also seen walled gardens get torn down in Microsoft's sense. But where do some of these other auto manufacturers who have yet to strike a partnership uh, with a younger technology company that's kind of changing the face of the industry, where are they going to go? And um, they, you know, I, I don't necessarily know whether they'll go away, but it's a lot better to kind of join the fray sooner rather than later because a lot of the high-quality partners seem to get plucked up. That's not necessarily to say that Uber won't form a coalition or Get wouldn't form a coalition with other European uh, automakers, but it's something definitely to keep an eye on uh, because I truly believe that the power of technology, the ability that the smartphone has unlocked where we can summon somebody to help shuttle us around is extremely powerful. And that's only going to multiply and explode um, when you know self-driving cars actually become commonplace. And I also think that's not that far away. I think you're seeing GM Lyft. They're clearly working on something. Um, they announced, I think, last month or the month before their express drive uh, rental service. And the whole premise behind that is just kind of start priming an audience for autonomous vehicles. And then there's Tesla too. Tesla's already on the road. You know, Barry drives 
um, his, uh, his Tesla on the highway uh, relatively kind of autonomously. Yeah, so one more thing I know we wanted to talk about was there is a trend we foresee in investing. Um, I thought maybe you'd want to elaborate on that, particularly in reference to your experience with talking with investors in New York. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think every ecosystem has its strengths, and New York has a few strengths, I think. Um, among them, the two most notable ones are uh, financial market-related businesses, so fintech, and then uh, ad tech. It's kind of the center of media here in the country. You could probably say L.A. is as well. And then lastly, um, the third is uh, consumer goods and consumer brands. And we've seen an emerging crop of consumer brands that have come up. And while they're not necessarily based in New York, there are a lot of investors there that really take pride in helping those founders, helping those businesses, and taking part in the early stages of of that formation. So you're talking about the like the Warby Parkers, the yeah. Caspers, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and we talked a lot about how they have vertically integrated their supply chains. Yeah. Um, and so that's what logistics is now becoming more and more important. The supply chain is becoming more and more important to a business's success. Yeah. And I think a lot of what we're seeing, you know, Amazon kind of has pushed everybody. Th- to think in this way, uh, but you know, rethinking the supply chain, the the way goods are moved, and Amazon has done a really good job, much to the um, kind of, um, I guess, the dismay, dismay of uh, of brick and mortar as well as other e-commerce competitors, where they've primed the consumer to expect things quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily on demand, because not everything needs to be on demand, but within a couple days. And how do you provide that superior experience? Uh, how are you retooling uh, the whole kind of supply chain focused on the consumer? And I think you're going to see a lot of uh, emergent, new generation consumer brands really think very hard about the way not only their consumers engage with their brand, but in turn how they fulfill that value back once they mm-hmm. received payment. So, you know, you wrote uh, a great uh, piece about, you know, how Warby's done that. And they're really changing the whole purchasing interaction. And that's a very integral part and sometimes not looked at in the traditional supply chain sense. You know, how are people purchasing from you? What are they doing? How do you make that easier? Mm -hmm. And once they make a decision, how are you quickly getting that product or service to them? Um, So, you know, if it's free shipping, that okay, great. Um, How fast is it going to be there? What does it cost you? Are you going to reap back the expenses associated with that? If so, how are you going to do that? Are you upselling them? Are you uh, providing add-ons? Is the replacement value of your good a certain, you know, is the replacement life cycle kind of a certain set of months, years? So that's where I think a lot of um, investors as well as companies will start to look more into the logistics area. And there's going to be this demand pull. And uh, Amazon has been pulling logistics and supply chain folks for a while to modernize and think in a much different way. And I think that's going to continue to happen. In fact, it might actually accelerate because now you're actually growing a mob. Yeah. <laughs> you're growing a mob. People are saying, we got to change the way we do things. been like this for 100 years. There has to be a better way to do stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting the way these brands, 
and e-commerce e-commerce in general has changed the way we shop. Whereas before, you know, we would you don't want to be all day at different shops. Whereas now you can shop online, you can go to 20 different websites in such a short amount of time. So now these companies are able to specialize, which I think improves the customer experience or at least the quality of the brand because that brand can focus on that one thing that they do really, really well. Mm-hmm. So I think that that transformation has completely changed how we shop as well. So these companies needing to be able to do their products really, really well and be branded really well and then get them to the people really quickly yeah. is how we shop now. Yeah. Rather than I'm going to go to the department store, I'm going to go to Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, no, I can just go to this. I can go on my computer and get everything I want from the people that I that do it best. Yeah. So um, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, I think um, also thinking just in traditional terms of kind of trucks, warehouses, distribution centers, I think that's going to be retooled. And you know, I have the... Um, blessing of being able to talk to a lot of forward-thinking founders and and folks in the business and uh, you're kind of seeing in urban environments micro warehouses popping up more whether that's a tractor trailer where the trailer's just been left in a parking lot or frankly just really cheap space in the suburbs um, of New York City it's close enough Mm -hmm. it's easy enough to access but that actually serving as a way to quickly fulfill the customer and really rethink the way um, they are exposed to the supply chain as well as how they're a component of the supply chain. All right, that's all we have for you this week on our newest segment of Dynamo Discussions. We will be back next Wednesday and next Friday. We would love some feedback. What are your thoughts on the topics we discussed today and what topics do you want us to talk about next week? So reach out to us on Twitter at ThisIsDynamo. Use the hashtag DynamoDiscussions. Okay, have a good week.